Hello everyone, my name is Allie Perry and I'm a tech and energy analyst at Angel Publishing. This is the inaugural podcast for our Investing After Hours series. Um, A lot of what we're going to be focusing on for this series is bringing in experts from a lot of different industries and having them kind of give their insider advice to people that might not have either experience in those industries or just kind of looking at a new way to invest. Um, Today we brought in our technology analyst, um, Jason Stutman. Hey Jason, how are you? Hey Allie, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So, obviously, this is our first podcast. You're the brave soul that is venturing into the recording studio. And um, you've been with Angel Publishing for a while. You are the tech expert, and you do two tech-focused newsletters, um, Technology and Opportunity and The Cutting Edge. What drew you to that industry financially? So, definitely growth. Uh, I think that technology offers investors a... uh, a clear line to to growth stocks, which are vital to any kind of portfolio. So I think it's recommended about twenty percent of portfolios should be towards growth, and uh, that's kind of the the niche that I like to fill. So on a personal level, is there something that interested you in the industry? Yeah, I think like anybody else, uh, technology is just inherently fascinating. Or at least I think it is. When I first started working for an investment newsletter back in 2013, I was writing about gold and oil, and I just didn't really find it too interesting. This was at the tail end of the fracking boom. I felt like it was kind of a dead end. So technology really offered me just the opposite. It was something that was that was very future focused and uh, you know incredibly interesting. I get to come into work every day and you know travel the world and ask keep asking what comes next and how investors can benefit from it. So it's I think it's an exciting place to be. It is. It's certainly very um, romantic. I think that a lot of people and a lot of people even listening are kind of drawn to the tech industry because it's exciting to see these things, these ideas that come from garages and from individuals, much like anybody, um, grow into these mega companies. And one of the questions that I had for you when you're coming in here today is not as much about an industry that's getting as much limelight as some others. Um, I know that self-driving cars are talked about a lot right now, cybersecurity with national interest. And um, this, this sector is definitely out there, like it's talked about. Um, it's not just quite as front and center, and that's virtual reality. And I wanted to get your feelings on where that's going for the next four years for investors. Yeah, so virtual reality is a major theme that I've been following over the last few years, and it's an industry that a lot of investors are looking at right now. Not just vir- virtual reality, but augmented reality as well. We can expand on the differences on that in a little bit. But I've kind of been lumping both into a wider class of devices that I like to call the iPhone killer or uh, the smartphone killer. Basically, the idea is that these devices, augmented and virtual reality, will eventually replace or at least overshadow conventional smartphones like the iPhone or the Samsung Galaxy at at some point down the line. Kind of the way that uh, smartphones once kicked desktop PCs to the curb. So I think there are a lot of technical challenges that need to be tackled before that happens, but we're getting there a lot quicker than a lot of people realize. So right now, let's look at the market. And you know, a lot of the times it's kind of just like a horse race and you're looking at these mega companies that are valued, you know, outside of most investors, normal investing standards. And um, is there a main player right now that's really tackling this or are they kind of all level? Yeah, so right now there are a lot of uh, major technology companies. Uh, I mean, I would say almost every notable technology company so you have Samsung and Sony have VR devices. Facebook spent $2 billion on Oculus, I think in 2014, to get a virtual reality device of its own. 
Mark Zuckerberg has has gone on record saying that virtual reality is going to be used by billions of people across the globe. Apple has a number of uh, augmented reality patents, and Tim Cook has been very vocal about uh, Apple's future in augmented reality. Microsoft is working on the HoloLens. Uh, so there, there's when there's that much effort from these huge tech companies going into it, I, I think it's only a matter of time before one of them takes it mainstream. And kind of like going back to what you were saying about like differentiating between augmented reality and virtual reality, um, a lot of the companies that you just mentioned seem to have virtual reality-focused technologies. And I know that... Um, augmented reality is something that I think a lot of people kind of hear in passing, but they don't really know what it is. So would you mind differentiating for those two, especially like in regards to these big companies and why they all have virtual reality and not augmented reality quite yet? Yeah. So I think it's important to draw a distinction between virtual reality and augmented reality. Even though we kind of lump them together, they both serve their own unique function. So virtual reality devices are what we've mostly seen penetrating the market so far, devices like the Oculus Rift, like the Samsung VR or the HTC Vive, or maybe it's Vive, I don't know. I don't know how they pronounce it. Uh, but the, uh, the purpose of these virtual reality devices is to take you completely out of the real world and into a virtual one. So that really just involves putting a, a large screen in front of your face. And, and that's, uh, from a technical aspect, it's not, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's easy to do, but it's a lot easier to do than augmented reality. So augmented reality, on the other hand, combines virtual reality and a real world and the real world together, kind of like a hologram. A good example of this would be uh, last summer when Pokemon Go blew up. Uh, basically, Pokemon Go, for those who don't know, is, is a game where uh, users were able to, to point their smartphone cameras at the real world, and the game would make it seem, if you looked at the screen, it would make it seem like there was a Pokemon uh, hanging out in their kitchen. Uh, so technically, it's it's kind of easy to do these on your phone, but it's uh, no one wants to have to kind of hold their phone out and hover it in front of themselves the whole time. The the real draw behind virtual reality is that you would have uh, a headset or a pair of glasses, and you would have uh, a screen in front of your face that is projecting those images while also not obscuring the real world as virtual reality does. So it sounds just from like what you're saying that augmented reality is going to have more commercial application. And I base that on the fact that virtual reality is still very expensive. Like the Oculus Rift headset, I think they brought it down to like 690 now, but it was up there around 800 upon release. Yeah, so I think the price has a lot to do with just economies of scale. Uh, I think that the prices will eventually come down, but I I would agree with the statement that uh, on a broader scale, augmented reality will ultimately have more application than virtual reality. Virtual reality is going to kind of be pigeonholed to to media uh, media consumption, whether that be video games, uh, movies, or uh, even pornography. Um, because you can't really, you can't escape that world and you kind of have to just go wherever the developer is taking you. Augmented reality, on the other hand, is going to give you a little bit more, uh, it's going to mix, it's going to give you more context with the real world. So if you think of how you watch your TV, that's kind of going to be more the application of virtual reality. And if you think of how you use your phone, maybe for getting directions, getting around, uh, talking to friends and communicating with people, uh, that's augmented reality is going to fill, fill that role a little bit better, I think. So do you think like this is just, I'm thinking about science fiction and you've seen these glasses, you know, people are projecting, they're able to touch and navigate on things that don't even exist. That's augmented reality technically. Could you see that being virtually possible in the next five years? See, I, I would say I would say five years is feasible. 
uh, I think there are, there are certain technological challenges that we have to face. Uh, I think the, some of the, the biggest one is probably interface. So like you're saying, you know, if we're, if we're thinking like a minority report style, uh, you know, interface where you're able to touch things and move them around and manipulate these, you know, virtual, you know, digital objects in space, uh, you're going to need some kind of really impressive gesture control, which is, uh, this is something that Microsoft's been working on for a really long time. If, if you know, I'm sure people remember the Kinect when it came out, which was originally for, for uh, video games, but they're using that technology in their, uh, the HoloLens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having accurate gesture control is going to be the defining uh, factor in, in whether or not these devices, I think, ever take off. And I think within the next five years, considering the amount of uh, investments that companies are putting in, I, I do think it's completely feasible. Okay, it's like it seems kind of like a saving grace. I know we talked a little about about um, what companies are in the game right now, and it, it always seems well. It looks like Apple is falling a little bit short, a little bit behind everyone else because you know Facebook has Oculus Rift, and Zuckerberg's come out with these plans to you know have this social media platform where you can just put on goggles and interact with you know family across the world. So like that seems pretty high tech, but you know there's Apple is still kind of struggling along. They haven't introduced a virtual reality goggle. They haven't really played around the field. So. Yeah. But I know Tim Cook is talking about augmented reality as a step for them. So I wanted to kind of know like, if you think they'll be plunging into that field ahead of others. Yeah, so I think there, there are some uh, rumors going right now about that. Uh, Tim Cook has been pretty vocal in the past about uh, Apple's place in, in augmented reality. He obviously thinks it's going to be bigger than virtual reality. He's, he's explicitly said that. Apple has recently gone on a hiring spree. Uh, they've poached a couple of... Uh, augmented reality players from from Microsoft, from Amazon, and from Oculus. Uh, so I, I think that Apple, even though we might not hear anything coming from them, I think that they're working on that behind the scenes. They've never really been, they've always been a pretty secretive organization. Uh, whether or not they're going to be the ones to really come out with that, that killer device first, it, I think that that's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, it seems like um, it's on their agenda, but it's not really something they feel strongly about putting a foot forward yet when it comes to claiming the space. Yeah, I think until they have a, until they know that they have a product that is really going to shock the world, I don't think that they're going to release anything. And do you think, like, I know when we're talking about, like, cybersecurity and we're talking about how, you know, one of the reasons cybersecurity is such a big industry is because it can be adopted by so many other industries. Like, you know, a self-driving car will need cybersecurity the same way a medical website will need a protected software. Will virtual reality be adopted the same way that, like, cybersecurity would be by different industries? Like, it could be used in anything, technically. I think so. Uh, it, it's, it's the same way that your phone it might have application in, or a computer might have application in every industry. It's all going to depend on the the developers, the app developers, uh, and, and I think that's the one thing that's so compelling about augmented reality is that it takes. If you think of your phone, all your applications are kind of trapped in a, in a two on a two dimensional plane, and they're limited by that screen. Augmented reality is not limited by two dimensions. It it breaks free into the into the third dimension. So. If you think of the amount of applications that your phone might have or a computer might have, it's just going to get multiplied because you can do so much more with it. And when you think when augmented reality hits and it's you know full-fledged and they're ready to start putting it into different industries, what industry do you think will stand to benefit or adopt it the fastest outside of technology? I'm thinking like 
industries that can use it for training, industries that can use it for, you know, further development of their own needs. I think, uh, so there are, the military has actually been using virtual reality for for some time for training, but I think that that's always going to be a pretty small market. Branching off from that, I think education is going to be possibly one of the biggest areas to get uh, uh, disrupted by virtual reality and augmented reality. You could just imagine the amount of money that could be saved if you don't actually have to operate a school and you could have a kid put on uh, virtual reality goggles in their home and be in a virtual class next to his classmates, uh, be able to interact with the teacher. And it also would solve a lot of discipline problems. You could have a teacher that, you know, the kid's acting up, you shut the kid off, uh, you know, or you, you, mute, you can mute him or something like that. Um, so there's, uh, you know, that's actually, that's an idea uh, that I've, I've taken from some science fiction. I've seen in science fiction, but, uh, but I think that is going to be one of the biggest applications, uh, you know, out of the box applications that people don't normally think of. I could see, I can see your point. I think it's, um, it's interesting to think too that, you know, I know Zuckerberg's, one of his comments when he, they're on virtual reality right now, but he wants, you know, experiences to be accessible to anybody. So, you know, you're looking at schools that might not have high funding, schools that are struggling to make, you know, ends meet when it comes to supplying their children with educational resources. Yep. So augmented reality could help kind of break that barrier and introduce kids to the same educational resources with limited funding. Yeah, I think that the same way that the internet itself uh, made the world more connected, I think virtual reality is going to do a, is going to have a very similar impact or could have a very similar impact. So as an investor, would you wait on augmented reality to kind of start investing in this industry? Because I know right now it's it's easy to get confused between the two, especially when virtual reality right now is a tangible asset. Like you can go out there and invest in Facebook. So by proxy, you can invest in Oculus. But yeah, I, uh, if you mean by wait, like as in don't invest in virtual reality and then invest in augmented reality later, I would say no. Uh, I would say that right now virtual reality is, is taking off. I don't think it's going to be as big of a market as augmented reality eventually, but it is there and it is growing. I think there there are opportunities with uh, the the OEMs themselves and the component providers for these devices. But uh, in terms of waiting on augmented reality, I, I think that there there are a couple companies. I, I can think of two companies that are probably worth investing in right now as early speculative plays in augmented reality, but uh, nothing's a sure thing at this point. So it would really depend on an investor's uh, aversion to risk and their own financial situation. So explain to me, because I know I've worked with you briefly when it comes to technology. I tend to be more startups. Um, so that's where our two areas mingle. You're talking about investing in companies that supply materials to the big companies. And is there there's a benefit to that over investing in larger companies yes, for absolutely. the investor. Yeah, so, so the, the parallel, uh, an easy way for investors to uh, kind of relate to this would be thinking of a company like Intel that provides, uh, you know, computer chips or a company like Qualcomm or NXP. Uh, so what Intel was to the to the PC or what uh, Qualcomm and AMD were to uh, the smartphone, there are going to be companies like that to virtual and augmented reality devices. So the, uh, the benefit to, to investing in these companies is you kind of diversify across the, uh, you're device, diversifying across the OEMs. And you're getting a little. You're on top of that. You're also getting more direct exposure because these OEMs are already doing a bunch of different things. If you're investing in Facebook for the Oculus Rift, you also are inherently investing in social media. If you're investing in Google, you're investing in uh, in 
you know, all their AI programs, their, their driverless cars, you're, you're not getting any direct, uh, you know, pure exposure. And you could do that a little bit better if you find the right suppliers that are focusing on augmented and virtual reality right now. So when it comes to actually finding these companies, I know your service offers that kind of in-depth analysis. Um, I know that it's hard for the everyday investor to isolate these suppliers because often these tech companies keep things so shut because it's so competitive that it's um, hard to actually find who their resources are. You just say, you know, look at the experts, look at the research um, and kind of navigate by, you know, the people that know these companies and know how these things are structured. Yeah, so that, that information is, is you're right. It's not easy. It's not easily available, and that's why we do what we do uh, to to make that information more easily accessible to to retail investors and Main Street investors. It's safer. It makes you feel more secure as an investor. I think that it also opens new doors to people that might not be able to invest in, um, you know, how expensive Facebook stock is now or how expensive Amazon is. You just kind of lose that level of investing. So these reoffer the chance for investors to get involved with companies that are going to shoot upward but aren't necessarily they're they're being held up by the larger companies. Yeah, abs- not the absolutely. Companies. Absolutely. Okay. So would you say that any of these are unicorn companies or I think most of these I, I wouldn't consider any of these companies unicorn companies. Uh, to me a unicorn is more private. They're not making money yet. Uh, to me the word unicorn just screams uh, overhype. To, to be honest, I'd rather invest in a company that's that's actually making money, that's been around for a little while, uh, and it's a bit more of a realistic investment. So it's stable, because it's almost like it's under the umbrella and the shelter of these established names, but it is receiving funding. Because I know like when you look at what Facebook has put into the development of Oculus Rift, they kept another company afloat and kind of used their funding brought in from social media to develop virtual reality. Yeah, that's a huge benefit for these, for these suppliers, is that the uh, they really are the... They're the the lifeblood of the the OEMs. The the big tech names rely on these companies, and you know investors don't really hear about them too much. But ultimately, they're the you know the foundation of the technology industry. So that's why I, I really do like looking at uh, chip chip makers and uh, component pr- pr- providers for uh, when investing in technology. And I know I've kind of like put you on the spot by making you the first podcast person. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's all good. But the um, one of the I wanted to ask if you have any other like, especially when we're looking at augmented reality and virtual reality, and investors are looking to get into these industries. If you have any other advice for people that are kind of trying to monetize on emerging industries, but are also somewhat intimidated, because I know it's hard to think about making money in the self-driving car industry or like any industry that's already kind of dominated by big players, just because, you know, you're one investor yep. in the sea. So I know that you look at this as that is your perspective, that you are one investor in the sea of larger companies. Yep. So do you have any feedback for investors that are kind of navigating that? Just general advice. Uh, I mean, I would say just don't get too ahead of yourself. But at the same time, you want to use history as uh, as a guide, um, and, and that's kind of that's it's a lot of what I do when I look at internal component providers. Uh, I look at you know past trends and I look at how much companies have grown in the past based on who they were supplying early on, and um, you know if you find if you find a technology that you know is is crucial for an industry, uh, then it's I, I think you just kind of ignore the rest of the noise. You ignore all the you know the market upgrades and the market downgrades, and you if you believe in that technology, then you you know you purchase it and you hold on. But you know obviously never put you know don't put in more than you're able to lose, uh, and you know set your stop losses, and uh, I think that would be it. 
Okay, everyone, this was our first podcast. Um, We have a team of experts here, and that's one of the great things about working on this team is being able to collaborate with people that have been developing different skills in different sectors for their entire lives. And it really brings a great atmosphere to investing, because I think that to invest today, you really have to be able to diversify and work in different industries. I know that Jason's, you know, insight on tech is incredibly unique, and it's not something that you get from just in normal stocks or bonds, if you're looking at somebody that's focusing on energy. Um, If you have questions for Jason, feel free to reach out to us. You can email me. It's all in the bio below. Um, We'll be releasing a new show every Friday at 5 o'clock. We're going to focus on energy in the coming weeks, penny stocks. Um, We have somebody that's very interested in cannabis and marijuana investing, um, biotech. So there's lots of opportunities for you to ask questions. Don't feel free Don't feel worried about asking questions and feel free to ask about any industry and we'll try to answer. Um, If you're interested in finding out more about us, you can read our general newsletter, Wealth Daily. Um, That you can just plug it on into the internet and it'll turn up. And um, and that we kind of cover a variety of topics as well. So thank you for listening with us. Jason, thank you for coming and talking with us. Thank you, Allie. And have a good night, everyone.